Wednesday, November 15th, this hour of Flames Talk is underway with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, Vic. Patrick, how are we doing today, this fine Wednesday? Doing well, doing well. Lots to talk about this hour. A little bit later on, the Daily Flames Roundtable. But right now, let's talk Nazem Kadri to get this hour going because I think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Kadri. So for me, we're going on now about two weeks that he has been, in my eyes, Calgary's best player. He's productive now after a slow start. He's producing on a regular basis. He's driving his line. He's meshing with young players. He's bringing those young players under his wing. He's being a leader. He's setting the tone. For me, what we've seen from Nazem Kadri is one of the biggest developments of the year. The way it started to the way it's going and the way that he is going about his business now. He's turned his season around and, you know, he is one of the guys who has turned the narrative on himself. We know that the narrative has been pretty negative around both him and Jonathan Huberdeau to start this season and going back to last year. Well, at least in my eyes, Huberdeau hasn't done this yet, but Kadri, I think, has pretty dramatically changed the narrative of the way we look at him and the way that, that fans are looking at him. At least that's that's my opinion. I think that he has really done a nice job of starting to turn it to a more positive with the way that he's played. It was a slow start and at times a frustrating start. And we all know how last year ended, but Vicks, I've, I've really appreciated the way that he's gone out and kind of overcome that poor start and gotten back to being the guy, the flames need him to be. Well, he's given the Calgary flames a legitimate scoring line, which is something that they've lacked all season long prior to this outburst. And I really hone in on the last seven games for Nazem Kadri. He's got points in six of seven, Three goals, five assists for eight points. And I remember thinking back three weeks ago or so, and there was the uproar of how unproductive he was and every media avail. He was very not down on himself. I don't know exactly the phrase I'm looking for, word I'm looking for. He's like, oh yeah, if I just keep doing this, things will come. And the outside narrative was maybe, maybe own your point total a little bit more, but all the underlying metrics agreed with Nazem Kadri, where if I just keep plugging away and plugging away and if yeah. things keep going the way that they've been going on the ice, but add on top of the actual positive results showing up on the score sheet, then things will be all right. And lo and behold, here it is, points in six to seven, eight points in that stretch. And the the numbers, the underlying metrics have held true as well. So it's not yeah. like this is just a, a magical stretch where... He's playing terrible, but the results are finally showing up, almost an inverse of what happened earlier in the season. But turns out all along, Nazem Kadri was right. Just keep plugging away, keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were massive, massive turnover issues from Nazem Kadri's decision-making issues 
at and in just inside the offensive blue line that probably irked me more than the, the lack of goals and assists. But those have quietly started to go away a little bit. Yep. And he stuck with whatever process he was doing, just as he said, just as he told us over and over again. And lo and behold, he's become Calgary's best player through the first 15 games. He's now their leading scorer. He's got nine points in 15 games. I know that's nothing to be writing home about. And and the Flames are still a team that struggles for offense. But I do like the way... For a guy that had one point in the first seven games? You'll take that. You'll take it. Um, And and it feels like that goal he scored at the Heritage Classic has really started to, to turn things for him. And then... All of a sudden, the narrative goes off the rails. I think everything we just said about Kadri is true. And then during TSN's Insider Trading segment on Tuesday, Darren Drager reports that Nazem Kadri, happy to be in Calgary, wants to be in Calgary, wants to be a part of the Flames winning, but is not necessarily interested in being a part of a rebuild. Not interested if they're going to pivot their direction and go a little bit younger and maybe take a step back from competing right now to looking at the bigger picture. That was Darren Dreger's reporting. I have no reason to question Darren Dreger's reporting. So just like that, we've got a completely different story. Just like that, we've got a completely different conversation surrounding Kadri. And uh, to his credit, uh, Danny Austin of Post Media asked him about it at a little media avail on Wednesday. Flames won in Montreal Tuesday, flew back home, didn't do a full practice, but did come to the rink on Wednesday. And uh, here's Kadri when asked about that um, the report and, and asked about his desire to be a part of a potential rebuild. For me, I think... Uh... Obviously, at my age, you want to want to win now. I came here to uh, to have an opportunity, and I I feel like we still do. I feel like we still got a great team. Obviously, uh, you know, should maybe have a couple more wins than we do. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're finding we're going to find ways to to stack them on top of each other and find ourselves back in the playoff picture. So, of course, it's very early, but uh, you know, I've I've not lost belief in this team uh, one bit. So he basically says, yeah, I, I want to win. I'm here to win, and I still believe this team can win. So I don't know if he necessarily came right out and said yes or no to the reports, but I think basically said, yeah, I'm here to win, and I want to win. And, and honestly, Vix, I don't blame him. He signed a seven-year contract with the Flames because he thought they were going in a in a certain direction. And if all of a sudden that direction changes and the type of conversation that we're having is a, a pretty dramatic change in their, which way they're pointing and how they want to go about things. Yeah. If you signed a seven year deal expecting one thing and then year two of the contract, it goes in a completely different direction or a very different direction. I think that, yeah, you're entitled to be like, okay, well maybe this isn't necessarily where I want to be. So I don't, I don't necessarily blame him because he didn't sign up for a retool. That's not what he was signing here for. That's not the quote-unquote bill of goods that was given to him when when he put his name on the dotted line. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I was privy to the conversations between Nazem Kadri's camp and Brad Treliving and the Calgary Flames in negotiating that deal and bringing Nazem Kadri to Calgary, but I imagine a lot of it was we are trying to be competitive. We are trying to build a winner. We are trying to build a perennial Stanley Cup playoff team with the ultimate goal of winning the Stanley Cup. And if you're a guy that's fresh off a cup, that's what you want to hear. You, I get there's 7 million reasons for Nazem Kadri to sign in Calgary regardless, but at the end of the day, you don't get to the level you're at by not being competitive and not wanting to win and just being okay with whatever. And in listening to Nazem Kadri in that clip there, 
yeah, still have an opportunity to win. He still sees the Calgary Flames as having an opportunity to win. And my interpretation of what he said is he wants to be part of the solution on getting the Calgary Flames back on track. But hey, say that doesn't work. Say every unrestricted free agent is traded, youth is brought in, there are other moves made, and we're looking at a retool, rebuild, whatever. If I'm putting myself in Nazem Kadri's shoes at 33, having won a cup two seasons ago, knowing I've got yeah. five years remaining on what could very well be and likely is my last contract in the NHL, I put winning above everything else. Well, and, Why and, not? You've, you've tasted it. You won it two years ago with the Colorado Avalanche. You know you're on the back half of your career. You're 32, 33 years old. Of course you are. You know that this is your last big contract and your last guaranteed sum of money to that extent. So I think that you probably would be like, eh, you know, maybe not super interested in being a part of a team that's going to take two or three years to get back to being, you know, at least two or three years until they're back to being somewhat of a contender. Yeah, I I would want to win now. I imagine that that's the narrative for 700-ish players in the NHL, and sometimes your circumstances isn't going to allow it. If you're locked into a contract with the San Jose Sharks, for example, you know you're in for a bit of a wait before you're going to be competitive again. But if the options presented to me, Aaron Vickers, as a player, of being part of a rebuild or being part of a contender at 33 years old, I know which direction I would want to go. And again, not all of this is in Nazem Kadri's hands. You can't just go, all right, well, I'm done. See you later. I'll uh, tip my hat and wave you adieu. And away we go. Like there's very much you have to find a, a trade partner that's going to be willing to facilitate a, a move, contract considerations yeah. all that but if it's black and white going rebuild in one corner and play for a team that has playoff slash Stanley Cup aspirations in the other no for brainer him, I think you absolutely yeah. you would and, I, and I, have, I would not fault any individual for wanting to be part of a contender and honestly um, they if you're if you're the flames moving a cadre if you're going to go in a different direction probably it's your if you can move seven million off the books. Well, sure. I, I don't know if you. Well, let's let's get into that because I the way that he's playing the last couple of weeks is a positive. Whether he's here to be a part of the solution or and and they don't decide to rebuild, and it's a positive if they do decide to go in a different direction. And Kadri and the team decides that maybe a a different locale is the best is the best direction because. If you ate some salary, I think not only the way Kadri's playing right now and what we have seen from him in the postseason over the last number of years, I think you could trade Kadri and get return for him if you ate some salary. And I think if you're going in a rebuild direction, you're fine with eating salary because you're not going to be a cap team for a little while. So if that does end up being the way they go, if Craig Conroy and company decide to move on from Hannafin and Lindholm and Tanev and Zadorov and they start bringing back younger players and they start bringing back picks and they start to take a little bit of a bigger picture view in terms of building this team, well, then trading Kadri just makes sense because if he's not super interested in being a part of it and you're going in a younger direction, I believe that there would be teams who would be interested in a Nazem Kadri at $4.5 million or would be interested in Nazem Kadri at 4 million or whatever the whatever the agreed upon salary retention is for the Flames 
I think you could get something nice in return. That's a whole lot different than taking on five years at seven mil, five years at four and a half million, and the Flames eating two and a half. That's a completely different story. And I think you could get a decent return if if that all of a sudden becomes a part of the conversation. So long story short, what we're seeing from Kadri right now is a positive regardless of which way the Flames go. Absolutely. You need him performing on the ice for any direction that you're planning on going as an organization, whether it's to stay competitive. You need Nazem Kadri to be one of your top three forwards, I would suggest. And if you're going the direction of a rebuild and you think you can get assets for Nazem Kadri, whether you're retaining half or 40% or 30% or whatever it is, then absolutely you want him to be playing his best because all that's going to do is boost his trade value and boost interest from other clubs. So it's really a no-lose scenario for the Calgary Flames and for Nazem Kadri from that, for that fact, just going out and performing and playing at the level that he has. And I would even go back to 70-ish percent of last season. Like, he was Calgary's, rightfully so, he was Calgary's nominee All-Star, for the All-Star yep. game. Now, I, did I love his game post-All-Star break? Not so much. But even to this point last season, he had 14 points in 15 games in the 2022-23 season which led the Flames at that point as well. So there, and, and that's coming off the Colorado Avalanche season where he was well above a point per game. And I'm not suggesting he's going to go back to being a 80-ish point player or anything. But if you can get him going in the right direction, the direction he has been going over the course of the past six, seven games, yep. that only benefits the Calgary Flames from a being competitive standpoint and from a, if we really are going to go the rebuild route and tear it down to the studs. Then there's some trade value. There. Do you think? Do you think they could get something for him? I mean, I'm not going to suggest that they're getting a first round pick I or anything like I that. But, but no, I, I, I guess I don't, what I'm saying, I don't is, think it's a Nazem Kadri at 50 percent for future considerations type deal. Yeah, like I don't think, or or you have to sweeten the deal to move Kadri. The way he's no, playing you're not right adding now, a pick to that. I I think you could get something back. And again, I'm not suggesting it would be a first round pick, but I I think that you could get. Uh, an asset or two back for him and also clear out some of that salary going forward. And if you've got a guy who doesn't necessarily want to be a part of it and you can get a second and a fourth round pick for him, what's wrong with that? Like I, I do Kadri's 33 years old. Yeah. Still an effective player when he's on. I truly believe yeah. that he can. I, I think what we've well, seen from him the last couple of weeks is what he can be more often than not. I still think he's a very good player, which is why I think a Colorado or a Boston or Boston, a, they're I'm hurting think, for center. They're not necessarily hurting for centers now, but if you just look at the organizational depth chart, well, it's yeah. not impressive. And you te- or, or I just look at other teams that are, are knocking on the door to be competitive. You're telling me Detroit wouldn't want a Nazem Kadri on their team. That's a Sabres, a, a Red Wings team rather that the, I love the Detroit Sabres. Uh, that's a Red Wings team that is Sounds like a blades of steel team ready to maybe take the next step. What about the New York Rangers? What about people? Have you seen that? People in Toronto are frothing at the mouth at bringing Nazem Kadri back. I haven't seen that, but I've seen it multiple okay. times. That oh, bring Kadri home. Um, like all of these things, I think are legit conversations. If that's the way the Flames decide to go, and maybe it's not before the trade deadline. Maybe it's an off-season conversation. I don't know, but I just don't think it's out of the question that you could move them and move them without having it be like a you're taking our bad contract type of conversation right now he sits in the 92nd percentile in high danger shots on goal 
94th percentile in shots on goal from all locations. So that's in the top six to top eight percent of the NHL in terms of offensive zone time at five on five, 83rd percentile, all strengths. And then this is going to be boosted by the power play. Obviously the time that he spends there, 92, 92nd percentile in the offensive zone when you include power play time. So yeah, he's not a point per game player right now but a lot of the underlying metrics that are getting him to be more productive and, and why he wasn't sweating having one assist in the first seven games of the season reinforce the fact that he's still playing at a high level. Uh, I I asked, because one of the things that I've really appreciated is the way that he's meshed with some younger players. It's why I throw in a Detroit. Like, look at what he's done. Detroit is a younger team that is on the ascent. They're sitting in a playoff spot right now. The Iser plan has been a slow build. They're sitting there as the third seed in the Atlantic division. And you say to yourself, okay, that's a young team. Well, the way kadri has been working with young players and what we've heard from him and Ryan Huska about how Kadri has, has dealt with young players and, and, brought them along. Tell me that wouldn't be a fit with the Red Wings. I, I asked a little bit about Kadri. He played on that line with Pospisil and Zeri in the win over Montreal on Tuesday. He has been paired with Zeri since Connor got here six games ago. Here's a little bit from Nazem Kadri a little earlier on Wednesday. Felt pretty pretty fresh and uh, you know obviously had a um, a great game, our, our line specifically, so uh, we just got to you know, keep that in the back of our minds every game we play and, and, uh, and what makes us successful and just continue to be consistent with it. Specifically, you and, and Connor, what have you liked about the way that your games have, have worked together? Yeah, I, I mean, I just, uh, you know, like the fact that he's not, uh, not afraid to make a play or, um, you know, kind of um, not, not so much high risk, but uh, more, more so high reward. And he's, he's definitely got the skill set for it. So, it's nice for me to, you know, just try to find some open ice and uh, have someone that's, you know, capable of, of finding you in, in those soft spots. And then you can become more of a, a shooter and a scorer. So um, even Pospi's done great. So that's that's what I just keep preaching to the young guys is, uh, you know, you gotta you got to be able to show up every single night and do the same thing over and over and over again. And that's what makes you a good pro. I just, I, I, I like what I'm seeing. He on the ice, he's playing well. With Zeri and, and Pospisil was fine with them in Montreal. That was their best line again. No questions asked. Uh, the, the connection with him and Zeri has been great. And if you're the Flames and you're not going to fully pivot and rebuild and you do get on this clip where you play 650 hockey for the next month and a half or two months, then this is good news and this is awesome because Kadri and Zeri will be a big part of it. And if they don't do that and we're in three weeks' time and it's pretty clear that yeah, this team's probably not going to make the playoffs. Well, then all of a sudden the way Kadri's working makes him attractive to other teams as well. Again, it just goes back to a win-win if Nazem Kadri's producing because you decide to toss out the rebuild word, which is very... Uh, no, we use the rebuild is taboo. I was going to uh, say... Retool was... or reload or, uh, I don't know, rejig. There's so like everybody has a... Di- Different word. I'm it going means rebuild. slightly different things. Why I use the term pivot? Because that just means all you're I can going think of is loss from friends. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Play well. That's Nazem Kadri's directive. If you want to be on a competitive Calgary Flames team, you need to play well. And if you don't want to be on a Calgary Flames team that's rebuilding, play well. Yep. That's your that's your ticket to being competitive. That's your ticket to being on a team that will be competitive if the Calgary Flames aren't. 
Simple as that. Uh, let's read some texts at 960, 960. Uh, this says, I asked the question, are Flames fans ready for the next five years to have a team uh, that won't be good enough to compete? Um, oh, sorry. Try that again. I asked the question, are Flames fans ready for the next five years to have a team that will... They, I don't know what they're trying to say. I think you had it right the first time. I think it's just phrased incorrectly. I think basically what the text are you is ready saying, to are you ready to, a rebuild? Are you ready to, for three or four years, be not be great, to have a team eventually that will compete, I believe is what that text is trying to say. Mick says, Pat, I'd take a seventh round pick to unload that cadre contract. Um, Would Mick do that if you're eating half of it, though? Yeah, I think you'd want more than that. I think I'd want more than the seven. Uh, this says next season teams will line up for Kadri at four and a half million. I also believe Eastern Conference teams will take Huberdo in the high sevens. I'm less convinced on the second part, but I do believe that there would be uh, teams that are interested in Kadri at four and a half mil or five mil or something like that. Um, this says if Kadri wants to be on a contender, he just needs to keep playing well, keep up the point to game pace, and someone will be interested if he falls off again. His only out will be a buyout once his bonuses roll off in a couple of years. And I think Kadri is as well aware of that as yep. anybody else. That's a smart guy. And I, I think that he's a, I think that having Zary on his line and I honestly, it would not surprise me if they went to Nazim and said, Hey, like we need you to be, we, you're not the captain, but we need you to be, one of the guys we need you to really embrace that and, and tackle that. And, and maybe that's something that we just based on the overall dynamic of what was going on last year, that was a little harder to do. Well, it's a new dynamic and it's a, it's a new era and all that wouldn't surprise me if there was like a, Hey, Nazem, we need you to be one of the guys. We're going to put Zary on your line because we Bring think you're young one of the guys and we want Connor Zary to, have the same type of swagger that you have when you're at your best, that type of stuff. Yeah. Like I would have no problem. If you're going to be here, we need you to be that guy. And if you're that guy off the ice and you're going to be the point per game guy on the ice or, you know, 0.75 points per game on the ice. Yep. That just benefits both of us here, regardless of circumstance. Uh, this says, I wouldn't trade Kadri this season. I'm open to it going forward, but me personally, I'm all about maximizing return on the UFAs, which means retaining salary on the UFAs. I believe you can only have three retentions mm -hmm. on your books. That's true. Uh, retain on the UFAs. Easy when it's not my money to maximize return. You get your retention slots back at the end of the year and can then revisit retaining on some of your longer-term players, Kadri, Markstrom, etc., if they do indeed want out. Again, Easy when it's not my dough. That's from Dan and Cochran. It's a good point, but I do think that I, I don't know how much you'll have to retain if you move a Zadorov. I don't know how much you'll have to retain necessarily if you move a Tanev. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Hannafin's easy. I mean, they're all teams. very. The every other... single one of them's under five million. Like you've got a very manageable group of pending UFAs to move that maybe you don't need to retain on three of them. The other element here too is make the team that's acquiring. UFAX have them broker a third team if they really, really need to get under a certain yep. number. Yep. We've seen that done plenty of times before. Uh, this says Kadri's turnaround seems to coincide with the arrival of the kids. Could very well be. I, I don't think there's necessarily a coincidence there because I think that that has come and kind of helped energize him. Like, we, we want you to be a guy who brings these guys along. And so far, he's really embraced it. 
Um, this says Kadri's the epitome of never too high and never too low. He's pros pro. That comes from Tim. Just a little bit on the text line at 960, 960. Um, Jeremy just says, sorry, I just jumped in the truck. Did Kadri ask to get traded now? No, again, if you're just joining us live, uh, if you're with us on the podcast and have been listening the whole way through, you're aware of this. If you're just joining us live, though, basically, well, not basically, report came out from Darren Drager that suggests that Kadri wouldn't be interested or wouldn't be super keen on a rebuild if that's the way the Flames decided to go go about it. And I do wonder how many of the other veterans would be thinking the same way. I just want to play you this. This is from uh, Rick Dollywall out in Vancouver on the Donnie and Dolly program that they run out there and uh, with Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall. And, and Rick is as tied in with NHL agents as you're going to find in, in the league. Um, this guy gets a lot of scoops and especially Vancouver-related stuff and Vancouver-related players. I don't know if there's a guy more dialed in. And this is uh, Dollywall talking about Chris Tanev and where things stand with potentially Tanev on the trade market, potentially Tanev with the Canucks and going back home to Vancouver. There's a ton of teams after Tanev right now. Tanev's got a no-trade clause. Vancouver is not on it. Some say the Canucks would want Tanev to play with Quinn Hughes. Hughes himself is management. He has let management know how much of a Tanev fan he is. The Canucks keep pushing Garland and Bavillier on the Flames, but that's not going to cut it. Not even a second rounder is going to cut it right now. The Flames want a top prospect. The Flames are looking for a young prospect who can play in their lineup right now. Look at the Tyler Toffoli trade the, the Flames made last year, Donnie. They got a 25-year-old forward, uh, Jaeger Sharangovich. He came in. He's playing right away, young prospect. You can bet they're looking for players like Niles Hoaglander from Vancouver. S- insert young play. Tanev uh, already has rejected a contract offer from the Flames. So that's just a little bit from Rick Dollywall on uh, Wednesday's Donnie and Dolly program out in Vancouver. I, I do know and, and I do believe that when we're talking about going back to the summertime when some of these trade conversations were being had, and even now is trade conversations, we know there's calls being made. We know the Flames are at the very least, doing preliminary kind of digging around on what they could get for guys. We talk about picks. We talk about prospects. But I also know the Flames covet just as much NHL-ready young players, players that can jump in, 21, 22, 23-year-old players who may not be young prospects anymore and definitely aren't draft picks, but I, I know that they value those very highly too. So when talking about a potential Hannafin trade or talking about a potential Lindholm trade, I think 21, 22 year old NHLers are a big part of what the conversation would be for the flames as well. So I think uh, Dollywall is bang on there. And, and that's very much similar to how I understand kind of what the flames value right now. Tanev, I don't think would be super interested in re-signing here if they're going to go into a rebuild. What about some of the guys who aren't UFAs? What about a Jacob Markstrom? What about a Blake Coleman? What about a Rasmus Anderson who's got a big contract coming up down the road? I just, I wonder about some of the other players. If rebuild is the way they decide to go, is that a thing that other players are like, well, you know, if, if there is an opportunity for me to be moved out, maybe that's something that we explore too. I just, it's, going to be a very curious time if that's the way the flames decide to go and again i will only speak to how i would be feeling if i were in those shoes but again i'd i'd want to win i don't know if i'd be and and i understand the 
ask on a return being a 21 or a 22-year-old player that's either on the cusp or is cutting their teeth in the NHL right now because that just speeds up the process. Instead of a draft pick who you're drafting at 17 or 18, you're getting a player that's 21 or 22. You're three, four, five years ahead of the curve already in terms of development. Now, that's not development within your own organization. And if you're taking on a younger player that hasn't peaked yet and is maybe... I don't even want to say a bit of a reclamation project or anything because we don't have actual names, but you need to make sure that you identify in the younger player coming back that you've got something tangible to work with to make it happen. But now to circle back to if I'm a veteran on the Calgary Flames, do I, do I want to wait around for four or five years for my next sniff at the playoffs? Absolutely not. Yep. I don't want to be done April 15th, four years in a row. I don't want to be eligible to play for my respective country at the world championship. I want to be competing for a Stanley cup, not a gold medal at the world's as much as I love the world championship. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. You know, I love it. I'd want, rather compete for a Stanley cup. I, I, I would, uh, I just want to read you these two texts back to back before we hit the round table. So this says, Pat, we've had 20 years of teams that aren't built to compete. So yes, strip it down. Let's start over and move into the new building with some sort of excitement and a team we can get behind this coming from a season ticket holder since 2001. Literally the next text on top of it. Sorry, but after being a season ticket holder for the last 14 years without a lot to cheer about, not sure I can go through with another rebuild. It's been a long 14 years. That's from Stephen Glamorgan. So two <laughs> season ticket holders back to back. One's Get like, them on the round table. That's a good point. Let them duke you it guys out. Go do, you, go, you two go head to head on whether or not and they I understand, rebuild or not. I understand where each is coming from because right. it is painful to rebuild. And there's no guarantee that a rebuild works at the same time. How much does it hurt? Not perennial perennially, but being ninth in the Western conference every second year that that's not enjoyable either. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more and for a free estimate, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Every Wednesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, the GL C300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48 month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. We just had a uh, big conversation and uh, a long conversation to kick off the hour about Nazem Kadri and the way he's playing and the way that his narrative has really changed here over the last two weeks. Unfortunately, can't say the same yet about Jonathan Huberdeau, who uh, played last night with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman, and that line really struggled against Montreal to kind of an extent that we're not used to. That's generous. Backlund and Coleman, like they were underwater all night long. It was a rough night for them. So there's no doubt about it, guys, that they need to find a way, if possible, to get Jonathan Huberdeau to a different level, to a higher level. Would you go out and make a trade if there was one there? Would you go and make a trade to acquire somebody 
to quote-unquote get Huberdo going? Is that something that you would be seriously chasing right now? I would be making some phone calls for sure because we're more than a season in here and there hasn't been a duo, let alone a line that Jonathan Huberdo has flourished on. So they've tried just about every internal option. I think we're at a point where you're in year one of an eight-year, $84 million contract. And yes, most of the onus does fall on the player. Jonathan Huberdo is ultimately going to have to get himself out of this two-season-long funk that he's been. But I still think that the team can try to help him out. And they've tried to help him out with a number of internal options. They tried to sit him for a period. Nothing has worked. So I think they have to take a long look at some external options. And I know the hot name is Anthony Duclair. And I've thrown it out there. And I understand why there are some other people who think that uh, that could be a potential fix for Jonathan Huberto, because when you look at what they did together, playing on a line primarily centered by former flame Sam Bennett with the Panthers back in the 2021-2022 season, career year for Jonathan Huberto, 30 goals, 85 assists, 115 points. And it was also a career year for Anthony Duclair, 31 goals, 27 assists, and 58 points. So clearly those two guys had a connection. And I think the Flames have enough players who are similar to Sam Bennett, whether it be Elias Lindholm or Nazem Kadri or maybe even Dylan Dubé uh, that could work between those two guys. So if the price was right, it's probably uh, a deal that I would pull the trigger on right now. But yeah, the player's got to get himself going, but the team has this guy under contract for the next seven plus seasons. So I think they've got to do what they can to get him going. They've tried a lot of different things that haven't worked. So Maybe it's time to to try something new, and that's looking outside the organization. Yeah, you're committed to Jonathan Huberto for the better part of a decade, and as you mentioned, Wilsey, $84 million, and by far and away your highest-paid player, not your highest-performing offensive player, which I think we can agree he potentially could be, should be, was signed to be, certainly, and oh, yeah. we have not you you've run you run through the combinations of lines that Jonathan Huberto has been on for the last ninety seven games, and there hasn't been one that's really hit to the point where you go, oh, there it is, oh, yeah. found it, oh well, we've solved this riddle, can't break this one up, and perhaps just maybe through those ninety seven games you've learned that the solution perhaps isn't internally, and I agree with everyone here where it's on the onus is on Jonathan Huberto to get himself going. This isn't a, you know, absolve him of any responsibility as to why he hasn't connected with any of the numerous line mates he's had as a member of the Calgary flames. But if you can put him in a position where he's on a line with a guy that he did have success with as a member of the Florida Panthers, and I don't necessarily think the acquisition cost is through the roof. And I have no idea to be perfectly honest, what Mike Greer would look at the Calgary Flames and go, oh, he won his buddy. Oh, open the wallet because you're going to pay dearly. But he strikes me as a guy that is sort of the logical candidate to, I don't even want to go next step because I think you, you've got to give Michael Backlund, Coleman, and Huberto a little bit more than one, as, as disastrous as that trio was in Montreal because it wasn't great. I think you got to give that a little bit of runway. But as Wilsey said, 
I'm doing my due diligence if I'm Craig Conroy and I'm making phone calls to see if there might be a solution out there for a cost that I can stomach to try the next phase of the experiment. It's, it's so weird guys. Cause I think it's a very, very, um, like it's a logical question to ask. It's a valid question to ask, but I think that there is a very strong chance that this team does pivot their direction here in the next little while between now and the trade deadline. I think there is a strong, strong chance that we're not talking about a team chasing winning right now. And so to what extent do you go and chase this? If somebody texts us, uh, throws it on the text line that has the potential of throwing good money out after bad money. And so to what extent, like, are you giving up a second round pick to go and get Anthony Duclair? Who's a pending unrestricted free agent, or are you giving up a fifth round pick to go and get Anthony Duclair? You know, so it, it, it the, based on where the team is right now, and how delicately or tenuously they're sitting on kind of a precipice or tipping point. I probably am not doing anything right now. And I'm probably waiting and seeing how things go and making a decision based on my other more pressing needs right now about my pending unrestricted free agents. And then maybe you can tackle exactly how to go about this. It's just, it's such a weird spot the Flames are in right now. Because so many people believe a pivot or a retool is the way to go. And so if you're going to do that, would going and chasing a player just for Jonathan Huberdeau be in line with doing that? So that's kind of where I sit on it right now. I get like, I, I think that everything you guys have said is valid. And I think the, if this team was committed only to winning this year and didn't sit near the bottom of the, the NHL standings, then I think it'd be a different story, but that's not where they sit right now. And that's not the big picture conversations they're having right now. I don't think I get it, but if I could do it for a fifth round pick, I would do it this second. Do you think, do, it, do you think you pick? could though? That's my, and I, Probably cause I'm not. with you. I, I'm with you. Like that's what San Jose gave up to bring Declare in was a fifth round pick, but would Mike Greer be okay with moving him out for a fifth round pick? Yeah, probably not. Um, he would probably try to uh, gain as much leverage as he could before making that trade. Uh, maybe we'll wait a little bit closer to the deadline and then flip them in when you could potentially get some other teams involved. But when I do it for a second round pick, no. But this is about more than just this season for Jonathan Huberto and the Flames. You know, my fear is if they don't get him going this season, are they ever going to get him going? He's got seven years left on his contract after this season. So for me, the sooner you can get him going, the better. And whether that means uh, you stay in playoff contention this season or just get your highest paid player going to help you next season and, and for a number of seasons after that, I, th I think it's something that they have to look at. And I know that uh, there are plenty of people out there that want the Flames to pivot to, or even to tank. And, you know, pivoting is one thing and tanking is another thing. Uh, I would not uh, encourage them to tank because uh, – I've seen a lot of franchises that have had a hard time coming back from that. And you know, even Nazem Kadri, who you talked about off the top, Pat, you know, I, I'll give some credit to Julian McKenzie uh, for this quote on Twitter. When Kadri was asked about uh, him potentially not wanting to stick around for a retool or a rebuild, he said, and I quote, obviously at my age, you want to win now. I came here to have an opportunity and I feel like we still do. So clearly Kadri hasn't thrown in the towel on this season. And I don't think that, 
any or at least many players in that dressing room have. So I still think you have to try to win hockey games. And if that doesn't happen and you organically fall out of the playoff race and decide to pivot, then I think that's the right thing to do. But I also don't think that the Flames are at that point yet. Uh, I saw something earlier today that they've got a 43% chance to make the playoffs. And that might not be good enough for some because some people want to pivot and don't want to be stuck in the murky middle anyway. So it's... uh, it's an interesting situation the Flames are in right now, but they're not the only team. And Jonathan Huberto is not the only former, at least for now, star player that's struggling this season. I saw something on X this morning that made me double check because I didn't believe that it could potentially be true, but it is. Did you guys know that Jonathan Huberto, having played one last game, has one more point than Johnny Gaudreau, who has one less point than Eric Goodbranson? I did know that, but that's just I mean, because I saw it on Twitter today as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't believe it when I saw it, quite frankly. I had to double-check it, but it is true. Johnny Gaudreau's had six points in 16 games. Eric Branson, of all guys, has seven. And something we probably haven't talked enough about, because I don't think that Jonathan Huberdeau has suddenly forgotten how to skate. It's never been a strength of his, but he's managed to get around and put up 115 points in this league. And I don't think that he suddenly forgot how to play hockey. But he has gone from a Panthers team that played East-West and was happy to win 6-5 to a Flames team and into a a league where there's a lot of teams built this way that want to play North-South. And I think it's been a really difficult adjustment for him. And I'm not saying the Flames should change the way they want to play to suit one player. Obviously, they're not going to do that. But I think Johnny Gaudreau is another great example of a player who's on a team or maybe they're playing a style that doesn't fit his game. Last thing I'll say on going externally to jumpstart Jonathan Huberto, and it depends on the acquisition cost for me. This data is a couple of years old. Fourth round pick has a 10.9% shot at playing more than 99 games in the NHL. Third rounder, 13.7. Second rounder, 17.2. I would roll the dice if it cost me a third rounder to bring in a player like Anthony Duclair as an experiment. So, well, let's let's keep going on the Huberto conversation because I do think it also has some wider-ranging implications when having the conversation. It's our Daily Flames Roundtable, Wills, Vickers, Steinberg. So, guys, are we... Where are we on the long term for Jonathan Huberto in that... What if it doesn't work? Like, what if they decide to rebuild? What if they do go in a different direction? What if Huberdeau doesn't ever get back to anywhere close to what the Flames believed he was going to be? What's the best way to handle this thing? Because I don't think that I'm being too speculative when I ask that, because it's been going into a second season where it has been this infuriating and, and this difficult for him to gain any traction. Like, what... What is the best approach here for the Flames in terms of having Huberto and with their overall long-term vision for this group? It's a hard question to answer. As a matter of fact, yep. it might be an impossible question for me to answer. Uh, some have suggested, and I think they need to give their heads a shake, that the Flames should buy him out at the end of the season. Do you really want to have his cap hit on your books for the next 14 years? I mean, no, absolutely not. For, for me, before we even have this discussion, and I hope it's one that we never have to have, I think that 
he has to do everything to get himself going. And if that means changing who he is as a player in some way, shape, or form, I think he has to commit himself to doing that. And I think on the flip side, the team has to do everything that they can. And they've tried plenty of things. We know that. But if that means going outside the organization and bringing someone like Duclair in, I think they have to try to help him in any way that they can. Because I don't think that there is, well, there's certainly not an easy answer to that question, guys. And I don't think there's a good answer to that question. I I don't have it. I don't have a good answer for it. Buying him out certainly isn't an option in my books. As you mentioned, that's no, that's silliness. Fourteen years at five five two five, something like that. That's uh, that's a little much to be carrying on the books for a decade and a half. He's got to help himself. We all agree there, but the Calgary Flames are going to have to find a way, whatever that way is. Whether it's Duclair, whether it's another player, whether I have no idea what what the other alternative is, but. Something, something, because you can't be paying them 10, 10 million plus for what you're getting for another seven years, and you can't buy them out and have it on the books for 14. Okay, so I guess what what is our confidence level that it does turn around dramatically? What What's the, before Wilsey jumps in here, I want to know what the measure of, what are we quantifying as success? Point, close to a point per okay. game player. Wilsey? Well... I mean, I would have a hard time saying that I'm super confident that it's going to happen. He's got seven points in 15 games so far this season. So he's basically been half a point per game, which is a long way from a point per game. I mean, their power play is not working very well right now. If they could get that going, he would pick up some points on the PP for sure. Five on five. uh, If you start scoring on the power play, you could be a more confident five on five player and start to be more productive at even strength. I can't say that I'm super confident, but I've got to tell you guys, I'm also really surprised that a season in 15 games in, Jonathan Huberto has struggled as much as he has. It's mind-boggling for me. I mean, he goes from being tied for second in the Art Ross Trophy race and putting up more assists in a single season than any left winger in NHL history two years ago to 55 points last season to seven points in 15 games this season and you know really looking like a a shell of himself i I still think the guy can play the game Uh, for me it's not a physical thing it's it's a mental thing he's lost his confidence he's lost his swagger and he's having a tough time getting it back and who knows what could potentially turn it around for him if tomorrow night he scores a couple of goal, goals and adds an assist, maybe that gets him going. I, I don't know if there's something that could just help him remember who he was and who I still think he can be as a hockey player. I'm not between his ears. And I'm sure the Flames have tried to, to get there and, and figure out what's going on between his ears because I think that's where the issue is right now. I, I, I know the guy can still play hockey. I, I think that his mind is just getting in the way of his body right now and but that, that's easy for me to say. I'm not a psychologist, but that's that's what I'm seeing from my vantage point. I, I asked the question, guys, because I, I guess I'm trying to illustrate the very bizarre situation the Flames are in, where it's they're very much debating whether or not they should remain invested in this team or go in a different direction right now. Like those, that is the big question right now. You know, we are a week away from American Thanksgiving, which for so many is a very important demarcation date. So I, I asked the question only because 
can you fully go in the right in a different direction rather effectively can you fully pivot effectively with a 10 and a half million dollar player who isn't playing anywhere close to a 10 and a half million dollar player and so it's just it it illustrates the really difficult place that the flames are in right now because if they continue on going the way that they have I can say this with almost a hundred percent certainty if Jonathan Huberdeau does not turn into much closer to a ten and a half million player compared to what he is right now, they will remain an average hockey team, and they will at best continue this string of maybe playoffs, maybe not playoffs. Like that—that that to me is a certainty. If Huberdeau doesn't figure it out, so in saying that, it illustrates the really tough spot the Flames are in, Vix. And I—I don't—I don't know what the heck they can do. I, I honestly don't. But and yet, that's where they sit right now. I did the math three times on this because I, I didn't really necessarily believe the answer. Jonathan Huberto is currently on pace for 38 points. 38. Yeah. Ten and a half million dollars. 38. Whether you're looking at retaining some of your unrestricted free agents and being competitive, whether you're burning it down and going the rebuild retool, we'll stop the debate on which phrase we're going to use regardless of whatever direction you're heading as the Calgary Flames you can't have a ten and a half million dollar player on pace for 38 points yeah last word to you Wilsey if you want yeah and as far as the direction of the team which I know is uh, a hot topic right now and I I get where people are coming from Uh, the Flames have been stuck in the murky middle for a long time and some fans just want something different even if that means uh, some short term and maybe even some long term pain but You know, right now they're five points out of a playoff spot. I think if things stay status quo in the sense that they don't pivot and decide to retool or rebuild, I think the Flames have probably already hit rock bottom this season with all of the things that have gone wrong between absences and injuries and suspensions and a change of general manager and a change at head coach and all these things that have happened in a six-game losing streak. I think they're going to continue to improve as a hockey team. And, hey, they're 3-1-1 one, and one in their last five, so I think they're trending in the right direction. But I know for a lot of people, them fighting for a wild card spot and, and maybe sneaking in or, or maybe not, that's not what they want anymore. They want something different, and that's why a lot of people are screaming for a retool or a rebuild. Yeah. So I understand where they're coming from. But you know, the Flames, because of the talent that they have – and. You can't convince me that this team isn't talented enough to be a playoff team. I don't care how hard you try, you cannot convince me of that. But it depends what you want. Are you happy being a playoff team and buying a lottery ticket and giving yourself a chance if you can get in? Or do you want to try something different? And right now it feels like they're walking on a tightrope trying to decide what to do. And how the team performs, I think, is going to have a huge impact on that. Yeah, well, uh, it's going to be a fun few weeks around these parts. And uh, between now and the trade deadline is going to be interesting. That's for sure. Uh, Thanks, Wellesie. We'll talk to you on Thursday. 
Okay, guys, good chat. He is Derek Wills. He is Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on today's Daily Flames Roundtable. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour as well. Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. And the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you every day by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.